This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, good things are happening over here at Right From The Deep. So first, thanks to all our patrons on Patreon. You guys help make this podcast possible and we're grateful. A big thank you to our November sponsor of the month, Tammy Partlow. She's a speaker at women's retreats and her first novel, and I love this title, Blood Beneath the Pines. Hmm. It's a suspense set in the Deep South, and can't you tell that just from the title? And it's now available. She's hard at work on the next book in the series. So find out more about Tammy and her book at her website, P-A-M-M-Y-P-A-R-T-L-O-W.com. Thank you, Tammy. And it's my turn to share a wonder. And guys, I had the chance to go to the Florida Christian Writers Conference last month, and it was such a joy to watch the divine appointments happening at the conference. God just does that. You ever notice how you're at a conference and you like keep running into the same people? It's like God saying, hey, here's a treasure for you. Enjoy meeting this person and fellowshipping with this person. You know, conferences, they can be hard or overwhelming, and especially for introverts and new writers, but God is there to give us joy in the body of Christ and to learn what he's doing and be excited about what he's doing. And you know, I love that fellowship can be considered to be a spiritual discipline. Who knew? But we need it. Fellowship is something God has designed for us to do, and it benefits us, and it helps us know him better. And it is a wonder to me that God gives us this beautiful thing called fellowship. Amen. And now, here's the show. Welcome, listeners, into the deep with us. In the first episode of this series on focus and getting focused, we talked about how to achieve focus at the highest level, a lifestyle level. And that was about making values-based decisions about what activities and commitments we do and don't want to have as part of our lives. And we're going to link to that in the show notes in case you haven't heard it, because it's a good backdrop for everything that we're going to cover in the rest of this series. So today, we're going to be talking about developing focus at at the career level. For those of you who are just getting started in your pursuit of a writing career or some form of ongoing publishing, you're probably hearing lots of advice. Things like improve your craft, settle on a genre, create a website, build a newsletter list, get on social media, find more followers. Yeah, and get a marketing plan and study the publishing industry and find an agent and find a publisher and figure out how to indie publish. (laughs) It is overwhelming. Trying to do too many things at once divides your attention and it creates stress. That that even sounded stressful. It did. (laughs) Makes it hard, guys, to do any one thing with excellence. Those of you in the midst of a writing career face a multitude of competing possibilities as well. How do you sort through it all? How in the world do you know what area to really focus on first or what to focus on every day? Not surprisingly, the same type of answer we gave in our first podcast about focus on the larger scale also applies to this career level scale of focus. You have to make decisions. 
Yes. And in an article about focus by James Clear, which we'll link to that in the show notes so you guys can find it, um, he talks about using the two list strategy to create focus. Now, some people call this strategy the 25 5 strategy, and several different sources on the internet also attribute this strategy to Warren Buffett, but there's like, you know, some controversy as to whether that's really true. So, in any case, it's the strategy that's worth considering. So, in the two list, strategy, you start by writing out a list of your top 25 career goals. Now, this strategy is easiest to employ by those of you already in the midst of a writing career. If you're in the beginning stages of writing, we're going to talk about a modified version of this for you in just a little bit. But for those of you in the midst of your writing career right now, make your list. Your top 25 career goals. You're going to need to devote some time to this. Pray about it. Ponder it. Brainstorm with people who know you well and who know your writing well. You want to be as specific as possible with your goals. For example, rather than saying increase my newsletter list, say something like add 100 names to my newsletter list every month. Rather than saying create a backlist of books so I can more effectively advertise, say create a backlist of 20 books. So I can advertise rotating discounts or whatever your particular goals are. Right. And it's also important to create goals that you can reasonably control. So you don't want to list something like get on the bestsellers list. Um, <laughs> instead, say, execute an advertising campaign that would help me make a run for the bestsellers list. I mean, yes, guys, obviously your intention is to get on the bestsellers list, but you can't control that. You can't control what other books come out that week and you can't control what other people spend on their marketing campaigns. So also, like another example would be rather than saying win a Christie award, which again, you can't control, opt for something you can do to improve your craft, like read a book on dialogue and incorporate those new techniques in my next novel. All right. Now, once you've made that list, go back and circle the five most important. Again, take your time with this. Pray about it. Seek counsel from people who you know to be wise and then choose five goals that are the top ones, the most important by circling them. So now you should have, once you've done that, you will have two lists. One is the most important five, and the other list has the remaining 20, which admittedly should also be important. Otherwise, you wouldn't have listed them. But the key is that you're only going to focus, remember, focus on those top five. The top five are on your to-do list until they're done. And do you know what you should do with your remaining 20 items? Okay, hang on. Nothing. Not a <laughs> Zippo zilch. In fact, rename that list the avoid at all costs list. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's easy to get tripped up on this stuff, guys. We're tempted to think that we'll work on those other 20 kind of like intermittently in our spare time because they might not be as urgent, but they're still important. So we want to put effort into them. And I understand that temptation, but that is exactly the wrong idea. <laughs> Remember, if you want to focus, this is true on any level of focus. Again, you have to make choices, what to say yes to and what to say no to, to focus on those topics. Five, you need to say no to those 20 other things. Now, for those of you who are, who are hyperventilating, saying <laughs> no isn't the same thing as saying never. No simply means not right now, not until you finish those top five. 
After that, you get to create a new list of five out of the 20 that are remaining. Or as you complete one thing on your top five, you can move one of those other 20 things, the most important one, into (laughs) the top five. So you'll have an evolving list. Now, the problem with trying to do those 20 in your spare time is that those 20 become a distraction. Aaron and I were getting ready to do the podcast today. And as we were chatting, I realized that my desktop computer is probably too old to run the newest Apple operating system. And so here I am getting online to search to find out if it'll support it. had nothing to do with recording the podcast. (laughs) I have a migraine, which means I have limited time to think straight. (laughs) I should not have let that item from my other 20 things to avoid at all costs when I'm trying to record a podcast. (laughs) But again, you should be reevaluating your list regularly because things in our lives and in the marketplace constantly change. And you betcha if Karen's computer goes and dies, (laughs) getting a new one is going to go right to the top of the list. So the benefit of all this list making is that it helps you make a commitment. In another article by James Clear, which again, we'll link to in the show notes, he writes, basically, If you commit to nothing, you'll be distracted by everything. (laughs) And I got to tell you, that's my life. If I don't commit and devote myself to something specific, most of us are like this. We're distracted by everything. Whatever little butterfly happens to float by. (laughs) Another benefit of making these lists is that it helps you avoid being overwhelmed. It gives you permission to not focus on those other 20 things. And that will give you peace of mind. You can let them go. Yes, you can. You can let them go. Say it with me. I can let them go. Realizing that it's just for a period of time and that those things aren't forgotten. They're just safely tucked away for now. Right. And if you're a newer writer, you still need the same peace of mind and the same way to say no. You still need two lists. But thinking in terms of career goals can be a minefield at this stage because so many of those goals are going to require lots of smaller goals to be completed first. Like you can't sell any books until you write them and you can't write them well until you've honed your craft and on and on, right? So instead of making a list of career goals, brainstorm your top 25 goals using a shorter timeline. For example, you know, what do you want to accomplish by this time next year or in two years or whatever? So for you newer writers, some ideas to list might be go to a writing conference, write a short story, find a critique partner, finish my first draft, read a book on self-editing and those kinds of things that will help you to refine and improve in the craft that you're hoping to then market eventually. And once you've made your list of 25, you'll follow the same process we talked about for the more established writers. You'll pray about your list and please, 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 that is the most important step in all of this. Pray about it. Make sure that God is asking you to do what you're putting on your list. Yes. And then seek counsel from others and then circle your top five goals. And you know what to do with those remaining 20 items. Say it with me now. Say no. Okay, (laughs) now say it like you really believe it. (laughs) Say no for now. 
And guys, remember, we're following God in this endeavor, just like Karen said. And he rarely is going to give you the whole picture at once. And again, that's why prayer is such a crucial part. If he's leading you to prioritize something, meaning to put that in your top five, and it's something that you're like, I don't see how that makes sense. Well, guys, it's okay, because God knows (laughs) what he's doing. He has reasons. So be obedient. Now, this two-list strategy that we've been talking about is just one method for finding focus. It's one method of picking what to say no to and what to say yes to. And there are certainly other methods. Um, For example, Gary Keller wrote a book called The One Thing, which has another different kind of perspective and great perspective on how to focus. And one of the things he says in that book is how many of us fall into believing myths about productivity. One important myth he refutes is the myth that, quote, everything is equally important, unquote. Everything is not equally important. To back up his statement, his assertion that it's not equally important, he points to the 80-20 rule, also called the Pareto principle, that says 80% of the results come from 20% of the effort. If everything was equally important, we'd get the same results from everything, but we don't. We can't. So how can we apply this information? Well, we find the things in that 20% category of effort and keep saying yes to them because that produces the greatest results. And yes, I understand. It sounds like we're talking about math, but what we're (laughs) really talking about is focus. The things in the unhelpful 80% category of effort are the things to say no to. And so how are you going to know which 20% is creating those amazing results? Well, you got to measure as best as you can. And some of this is going to be objective. It's easily measured, like marketing results. You can measure that. If you find that the majority of your sales come from your newsletter list, say, and very few sales come from maybe your regular posts on Facebook or Twitter, well, then you'd want to focus on your newsletter and free yourself from the burden of social media. Now, you'd want to focus on doing the things that give you high-impact results. And again, if you enjoy social media, great, but let that just be a fun thing you do, not like this goal that you're going to get results from. Let it be a fun thing and keep it in the time you set aside for your fun or socializing. Some of the measurements that you have to do, they're going to be more subjective. For example, Do you find that when you write cozy mysteries, the words flow and your critique partners say they enjoy your stories, and sometimes they're so engrossed in it they even forget to critique? But when you work on that epic fantasy you feel committed to, it's a slow grind that produces less exciting results. Is this subjective or objective? Well, it's maybe a little of both. But it may well be a sign that writing cozies is in your 20% of effort wheelhouse. And writing the epic fantasy is a less effective use of your time for now. And remember, that's the key for now. Right. Now, Gary Keller also talks about asking yourself a key question. And this is great. What is the one thing I can do that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? (laughs) That is a powerful question that deserves time and thought. And I'm going to say it again. What is the one thing I can do that by doing it, everything else will be easier 
or unnecessary. Now that can help you narrow your focus on a large scale as well as on a really small scale. And we're going to talk about this question more in the next episode of this series when we cover focus on a daily and even moment by moment level. But for now, you can use it to help guide you in what to say no to on a career level. For example, maybe you have a lot of email to wade through, a lot of advertising campaigns you're overseeing. You're putting together information for newsletter swaps and doing other administrative tasks. If you've asked yourself, what is the one thing I can do that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? The answer might be hire a virtual assistant. That would make it unnecessary for you to do all those other email tasks because you've delegated it to someone else. And yes, I understand We're talking about hiring and we're talking about spending money. But if writing is your career, I don't know of any career that you can establish yourself in without spending money, whether it's for an education, whether it's for training, whatever. You cannot do things without putting money into them as well as effort. So that decision to determine what you can do to make everything else easier will help you concentrate your work efforts on the things that only you can do, which means you're more focused. And the question, what is the one thing I can do that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? That also implies a sense of sequential order, like some things need to be done or some things need to be in place before other things can happen. So you might also think in terms of asking yourself what must be in place before this goal I'm thinking of can happen. So for example, you probably ought to settle into a genre before you pay to have a website designed, or maybe you decide to hold up on advertising on Amazon until after your fifth book of your series is complete. So you can have more opportunity for a return on your investment of advertising dollars. You might also wait to read that book on how to revise the novel until after you've finished your first draft. That way you let your creativity run its course as you write, and then you can set that draft aside, read the book on revising, and come back to your manuscript with your editing hat on. That's right. So we've talked about some ways to help you focus in your writing journey, in your career. But what about ways to maintain your focus? Aside from saying no to other options, what else can you do to help maintain focus? Number one, you can know your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? And keep that why in sight. Why did you put this goal on your list of career goals? Why is it important to you? Why do you feel it's important to God? Why do you feel God said, yes, this is something to put on that most important list? It's also good to ask, is it still important or does it need to be changed? Why you do what you do should be a consistent topic of prayer. And keep in mind that God has his own agenda with each session, day and moment in our lives. And his agenda, friends, is what matters. So be sensitive to his leading. Be open to his leading and guidance even when it may seem at odds with the goal you planned on for that day. God's quote-unquote interruptions are guidance, and you need to pay attention. Right. And another way to help you maintain focus is to measure your progress. And I'm not talking about doing that for judgment, but for feedback on where you are right now, because tracking your journey helps give you a sense of forward momentum, even though some phases are going to take a while. Some phases, let's face it, they feel like we're just spinning our wheels going nowhere, but those times give way, like, you know, some traffic jam, you know, that clears, <laughs> right? The, in the overall scheme of things, we are moving, even 
even if it's slow. And measuring your progress helps you see that. The third thing that you can do is celebrate the milestones. When you've accomplished one of those top five, that's another way to measure your progress. And it's fun by celebrating that it's been done and you've accomplished something. Celebrations give you encouragement and give you positive reinforcement for the hard work that it is to focus. You know, every single time you accomplish a goal, every single time you reach that point where you know you've done your best and you've you've accomplished what you set before yourself to accomplish, you can look back and with God and with your friends and in your own heart and spirit celebrate it and be grateful for the fact that that's done and you're ready to head on to something else. Right. Another way to help you eliminate distractions and thus maintain focus, keep a record of why you chose to say yes to what you said yes to and no to other things. We talked in the first step about knowing your why, but it's good to keep a record too. Write it in your journal. I eliminated that for now and and because and list the reason. It's good, again, to reevaluate sometimes and to ask if that because is still true, but it's also good to not constantly rehash or second guess your decisions. So keeping a record is going to help you avoid unnecessary rehashing. And you can also, in your record, write the scripture that supports the decision that you made. Scriptures that God brought to your mind in prayer, scriptures that others shared with you. Have those things there so that they can stand with you. And you can say, no, this wasn't just me thinking this is what I needed to do. This really is what I did because of the guidance I received. Another step for for maintaining focus is to form a mastermind group, a critique group, a writer's group, an accountability group, or whatever kind of group you need to help you stay accountable and to help you celebrate and so on. This can be a great sounding board to help you process your decisions about what you're saying yes to and what you're setting aside. Right. And while we've talked a whole bunch, guys, about using goals to help you achieve focus, remember that it's still the process that matters, not the end results. Writing is still a journey and you want to love the journey, love writing, and we want that for you. Sometimes guys, we're tempted to say, well, I'll love it when I arrive at this goal or that goal, but arriving at a goal is short-lived. It is a specific point in time and it's transient because there's always another goal. When you don't love the journey, it reminds me of like being in a car on a road trip with a kid in the back seat, going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? (laughs) We don't want that. When you you love the journey, you become a partner with God in the front seat, (laughs) and you're on this amazing adventure, and it continually has new delights and joys, even amidst the difficulties. So, as we think about all these, as we ponder it all, as we pray about it, as we submit our thoughts and our lists to people who we trust to give us good counsel, let's also keep in mind Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run this journey, this goal, this whatever God has put before us with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let's continue to move forward with God's guidance and his direction in the things that we need to focus on when we need to focus on them. Doing this can help you to be encouraged. It can help you to feel as though you're accomplishing something, and it can help you to find a sense of peace rather than being overwhelmed. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Thank you.